Lisa K. Middays, KTOE. We are back on Talk of the Town. It's Lisa K. on your midday. Thanks for joining me and my friend Kristen Duncanson, the owner and partner at Highland Family Farms just down the road in Mapleton. I was excited to see that you were coming in to talk to me today. Thanks. It's fun to be here. I always enjoy our time together. I'm glad you're back. We're talking a little bit about something that I don't know a whole lot about. So I thought, well, this is perfect to have you in and talk a little um, conservation Farm bill. The farm bill is coming up. I know this from my chat with ag folks that we have a farm bill that expired. Couldn't figure that out last last session, right? Mm-hmm. So they extended whatever we had. Right, they did. And that is um, kind of where we're at right now is that five-year farm bill did expire. They did do an extension. And now we're just kind of waiting to see how long it is before what's called taking it up again. Um, both the House and the Senate have done a bunch of work, including hearings, field hearings, as well as field hearings or hearings inside the chambers. But now we need to take it to the floor and do some more work, find a compromise on some issues throughout the farm bill and um, move it forward. But, you know, that being said, I think people need to keep in mind that the farm bill is a huge bill, really. Right. And not all of it. In fact, the vast majority is really about nutrition programs, SNAP and food benefits, food assistance, as well as programs related to that. And the egg portion is not very huge, but it's critically important to food, food security and egg production here in the United States. Well, I know you've been working with the Farm Bill for many, many years, you had said. Really a long time. It <laughs> kind of shows my age. <laughs> and so I know uh, that you know what you're talking about when it comes to um, some of the different pieces of the Farm Bill. And uh, you, you alluded to that. But before we went on the air, you were telling me about Title I versus Title II. And I, then my eyes went, what? what? Right. Can you explain a little bit yeah, about the different glad pieces? glad to. So the conservation programs that we want to visit about today are really co- in Title II. And Title II holds things like CRP, Conservation Reserve Program, and EQIP, and Conservation Service Program, and all things that help farmers determine what type of plan they'd like to use or engage in. It really is a way to address things like water quality and soil health. Through voluntary conservation programs, producers are able to and not just crop producers, livestock producers, there's programs in there mm-hmm. for them too, are able to try things and look at their whole system of what they produce and how, and not just one portion, but the whole thing all on the road to becoming more resilient. Um, resilience means that we're looking at how do we build our soil health? How do we make sure that water is clean and water is plentiful in areas where it needs to be and not too much in others, which is in these climate, ever-changing climate conditions, huge concern. I mean, no, everyone knows that things are different than they were growing up weather-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend time figuring out why, but know that we have to plan for it. What a farm bill does, both on the um, program side of it as well as the conservation side, is let farmers try different things with help and, and instruction to to address things like soil health and water quality, or maybe it's a, um, a lack of water in Kansas or Texas where we have um, different aquifers are starting to dry up mm. because of the change in weather patterns. So Title II is really important for those kind of things. The thing that is great about Title II is it's voluntary. 
Those okay. programs are voluntary, which really um, allows producers to look at the systems they're engaged in. You know, my friends in Kentucky who grow cotton and soybeans, their system is quite different from ours here in southern Minnesota. The regional differences are appreciated when you can do voluntary things. They, they need to be... Uh it would be helpful in, in best case scenario to remain voluntary because everybody's situation is different. Like you said, you don't grow in the same climate that they grow in down south. Exactly. Or our friends that live in Idaho, that's considerably different than the south and here in the Midwest. So the idea of keeping um, programs voluntary is really important. Of course, the, the opportunity to add more funds to to allow us to do that mm-hmm. through the different agencies um, that help us on the farmscape would be great. We'd love to see that happen. Um, we may be dreaming a bit. You know, the uh, government spending is really a labyrinth of of programs across the board, not just for agriculture, but for the things that everything that every American needs and does, um, whether it's roads and buildings or or schools, healthcare, Medicare. But we're talking about food security here. Right. And those things are vitally important to the strength of, of the United States. You talked about resiliency, and I think there's a, a quote, and I'm going to misquote it right now, but it has to do with the ability, uh, people that succeed have the ability to adapt, like the best people that in, in their success right. have that ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. And so I think this kind of ties in with that particular quote. Um, what is, what's it like um, on your farm, being a, a farmer today, in dealing with the climate and some of the things that you're doing that are maybe different. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to say better or worse or anything like that, but right. different. Right. You know, I, I think that um, one of the first things we talk about that almost every producer I know across the country has had the opportunity to engage in, should they sh- so choose to, is um, change in seed. Change in seed. Seed mm. technology has advanced, so you have things that are drought-tolerant or flood-tolerant seeds, depending upon what you're thinking you're going to need. You know, it's always tough to forecast. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a mm-hmm. wet year or a dry year? Is it windy? Is it going to freeze early? But technology has really been an agriculture's friend in a lot of different ways. Hybridization um, is amazing technology is amazing and just research in general on any kind of seed traditional conventional organic there's just a whole lot more of it now than there ever has been so seed technology and then things like precision agriculture that means that as we look at at a go across a field in any of our equipment we layer on maps of what we're planting what we're adding to the soil um, what's been planted there, what the yield is like, what the moisture is like, mm. and micronutrients, we can find all that out. So it's we call it a prescription, and the <laughs> prescription for this half acre could be really different than the prescription for the acre down the road. It may need more lime. It may need more... Sulfur. What are the reasons for that? You wouldn't think that, you know, here and, and right down the street would be something different. Yeah, it's really interesting. But, um, you know, one of the things that I have just been doing a bunch of work on is is sulfur. Remember the days of acid rain? Well, we oh. don't have acid rain anymore. Yeah. So our soils, we now make sure they have the appropriate amount of sulfur. Hmm. And we are always looking at N, P, and K, nitrogen, potassium, all those kind of things are are 
upmost to get that plant to grow, depending upon what kind of plant it is, those nutrients are needed. So we've got seed opportunity. We have technology opportunity. We have opportunities, too, to, to look at resilient systems that include things like cover crops, okay. waterways, nutrient management. A lot of farmers still use manure. Mm-hmm. We test manure. We put it exactly where it needs to go on the field. Um, you know, all those systematic things. So it's not just one thing. Uh, it's a combination tillage systems. Gone are the days where, you know, everyone used to do a, a, the same kind of tillage. That's all varied depending upon soil type, where you where you live, what your desired outcome for that particular field is. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity to look at um, building soil health being more productive on a smaller amount of, of land and then and not harming what we're doing. So but tell me about some of the successes that you've had with some of the conservation work that you've done on your property. Yeah, thanks for asking that. You know, we are we call our entire farm a um, test of uh, program or, <laughs> or, you know, work in progress. No, we've been really pleased. You know, if you go back in the history of um, my husband's family, it's his family farm that we live on. They've tried things for years, and lots and lots of of farms have that Mm -hmm. experience of testing things. Um, We, about eight years ago, started looking really deeply at our tillage systems, also looking at what could we do to make sure the soil stays here, both from a water and a wind point of view. So we started planting cover crops, and it's a variety of either cereal rye or a five-species mix that goes on at the end of um, harvest in the fall. Okay. And we plant it then and it overwinters and in the spring it comes up again. Okay, now I'm going to ask, but how did it overwinter this year where we barely had a winter? Uh, yeah, it's really been interesting. If you drive past um, farms right now that have maybe cereal rye or a cover, it's still green. Mm-hmm. And usually beginning of March, it might green up again, but it's been green most of the winter. Yeah, you know, and we'll see what happens. We're optimistic on a windy day like today. Soil's not going too far away. It's good, <laughs> which is but the great. wind. I never thought about the fact that the wind will erode the soil. Yeah, I mean, of course it does, but that's why you cover it. Sure, wind is a big thing. Water in the okay. you know where we live, that snow runoff can really take some of the topsoil with it in a typical winter mm-hmm. whatever that looks like anymore yeah, right um so there's a lot of different reasons we would put a cover down um wind and water being the biggest it also helps with some nutrient management too okay tell me about the nutrient management because that does that depend on what you're going to plant because right. things whatever you're planting as a cover crop is going to be beneficial not only for holding the soil in place but also adding some nutrients to it the can soil. it sure can and it helps with soil tilth which means, you know, not having such compacted soil, but it's fluffier, so oh, to speak. Sure. And there's two ways to look at that. In some instances, it helps you, helps it dry out in the spring so you can get in earlier. But it also helps retain water, too. So if you put a seed in and it needs to uptake some water mm-hmm. or some moisture, you've got that opportunity. So mm-hmm. you learn to play with those things. It's a journey, um, cover crop and, and conservation, it's not a light switch that you automatically turn on because everywhere is different. Right. There, is, there is technical support, we call it, and that's funded through Title II of the Farm Bill. And a lot of different, not only um, 
government programs, but independents, companies, co-ops, they offer help with that too, so that you don't have to know all the answers yourself. There are folks out there that have the experience in this science to look at your system and say, okay, we can um, provide you some data or some science on this. What types of programs uh, that uh, are going to be funded do you know? Yeah. Do you have any idea with the, what there's, types of conservation programs? There's lots and lots of them. Um, the ones that are most um, probably, I hate to use the word popular, <laughs> in this area, the ones that are most used in the in this area are, are conservation service program, equip dollars. There's a lot of different opportunities depending upon um, what part of the country you live in. So are there people that don't they choose not to engage in any of, of the conservation programs because it's voluntary. Right. Folks, some folks don't. Um, and that's, you know, their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but they may view conservation a different way than okay. others do or not. It's risky. You have to be willing to try things and you have to be willing to look at the science, dig for data at times or ask for data. And it's not a light switch that just goes on and off really quickly. We're working with biological systems um, that aren't as quick to respond as if you were baking a cake with a different kind of baking soda. Hmm. You know, it takes a while. And so you have to be a little patient, too. In the meantime, you have to explore what your risk tolerance is for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Long term, we've seen a lot of data that says you will be more productive, but it it might take some time. It might take some time, especially if you crop rotate. which is very popular here, and we like crop rotation. That's a conservation plan. Oh, okay. Yeah, rotation's very important. Corn, soybeans, wheat, small grains, all of them add to soil tilth. You can manage systems where you can do all one thing, but you have to be willing to manage it. Okay, okay. We were talking earlier, I had a question that had popped into my mind when you were talking about seed technology and changing seed. Um, I had thought maybe, well, and this is obviously incorrectly, that uh, maybe your soil would be acclimated to a certain type of seed or the seed to the soil. And that's, is that why people stick with the same thing and are, are, are a little bit more reluctant to maybe well, look at a different type of seed? Or? You know, that's part of the technology, too, is what type of soil do you have and um, how is the seed going to respond to it? And a lot of different um, studies are done, both at universities and through companies and a lot of farmers do uh, their own trials. Okay. They'll try a particular type of seed and see how it works just in a small plot, yeah. you know, and, and see at our farm, um, we're uh, kind of data geeks. So <laughs> we, we will do a lot of on-farm trial, replicated trials. Mm-hmm. Um, they're slow, but the data to us is really important. I was just talking to a scientist the other day about uh, things, uh, how, they, how they're collecting data. Are you doing that now with this change in weather that we've been having? Are you looking at, oh, yeah. here's what we did. Do you write it down? Do you have a oh, notebook yeah. or what's going on at the farm? <laughs> we, have, we have files, computer files and paper files. And yeah, you know, for us, that is the way we learn. And universities do this too, and your neighbors, and you share the information. Seed companies are wonderful about having trials. As you go in the summertime, you're driving down a road, you'll see a bunch of signs that'll have numbers and the company name on it. Mm -hmm. That's a field trial. Oh, okay. That's a field trial. That's a lesson for the girl from the city. Yeah, it's great. And you'll see folks 
you know, pull off to the side of the road and see how things are growing. It's huh. exactly what they're there for. Interesting. So when we're looking for this, uh, like a, we call it a pro-conservation farm bill, mm-hmm. um, what... We're just waiting right now. We're waiting for them to start. Is that where we are in the process? Well, we're having conversations constantly, you know, always trying to be ready for when it goes to the floor, which means that, you know, this, the full Senate, the full House mm-hmm. will take it up. They'll take turns. It goes from one body to the other, as we all learned in social studies a long time ago, <laughs> how the legislation is made. So constant con- conversations about what it could look like and changes or tweaks or things that we'd love to see. I think the most important thing is to, you know, always looking for more opportunity, but not to gut it, right? not to take things away, to continue. We've made great progress. Let's not stop. Would that be your message to Congress and legislators? Yes. My message would be let's, let's tweak what we have, add where we can funding wise. Let's make sure we get a good bill you know, I know it's it's hard to plan for farmers without a farm bill in front of you of mm-hmm. what things are going to look like or where you can engage, especially with the Title I pro- programs. But you want to, we'd love to see a good bill, not just us, uh, you know, quickly done. So we'll hope that that happens. So yeah. if people want to tell their legislatures, let's get a good farm That's bill. That's what my next question is. What yeah. do we do? What do you what do you need people to do? Let's get a good farm bill. Let's um, talk to folks and let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we'll send people off with that particular message today. Any last words of wisdom for us? Thanks for having me here. Oh, my gosh. Farmers are, you know, we love what we do. We have great partners and peers in this industry. We have great support. We like what we do. There's a lot of questions out there in these changing days. We're not the only industry that has that, but yet um, we're always optimistic. Well, thank you so much for coming on Talk of the Town today. We certainly appreciate it. Don't stay away for so long next time. (laughs) Hopefully we'll have you back in. Kristen Duncanson, the owner and partner at Highland Family Farms in Mapleton, Minnesota. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me.